the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Right Makes Might. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome. If this is your first time joining Courageous Christianity, thank you. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. It's always a privilege to share this time with you. And as always, I'm honored to sit beside my beautiful wingman, Christy Stratton. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Over the last few weeks, we've seen a tremendous amount of conflict. And speaking for myself, it's upsetting. As human beings, we need air, food, water, warmth, and each other if we are to survive. It's true. Each of these things is critical. If any one of us were marooned on a desert island, we would pray for these things. If we couldn't find water, we would die. If we couldn't find food, we would die. And if we were alone, a part of us would die. In prison, solitary confinement is a painful added punishment for those already subject to punishment. We need each other. And since we do, it's strange for me to understand why there's so much conflict. Today we're going to talk about conflict in a three-part series. Over the next three Saturdays, we will look at our pre-conflict mindset, conflict itself, and post-conflict thinking. This discussion is important because the truth of the matter is there's going to be conflict. Mm -hmm. And we must prepare for it, and we must be intentional in our thinking about it, because since it's a given, if we want anything of value to be left for our children, this conflict has to leave us stronger and more connected, or we won't survive. Before we begin today's conversation, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, these are my personal opinions and do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, without you, we are simply animals trying to survive, and we sometimes do so at each other's expense. We beseech you, O Lord, to help us to rise above this place of struggle and to lift up those around us. Help us, dear God, to seek you in everything. Help us to seek you in each other. Help us to focus on the opportunity that we have in each other as brothers, sisters, and friends. Help us to resist 
evil manipulations, half-truths, and outright lies, and remind us, Father, that we are our brother's keepers, and that if one should fall, another should pick him up. In all things, dear Lord, may we know that when we hurt each other, we hurt you whose hands still bear the scars of the cross. May all who hear these words be blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about a three-part series on conflict, beginning today with part one, the pre-conflict mindset. And when I say pre-conflict mindset, what comes to you? Well, what comes to me is that I don't know if I've ever thought about the pre-aspect of conflict, because you usually find yourself right in conflict. Yeah. So when I say pre-conflict mindset, what I'm thinking about is the place where we let our mind rest, the, the conversations that we have, the thoughts we entertain, the beliefs we have, uh, where we focus, what we look for on a daily basis. So maybe like a state of rest. Right. So you, you're really not thinking about finding conflict, or are you? It's the best posture preceding conflict, going into what might become conflict, predisposing us towards success in conflict, and possibly helping us to avoid conflict where none is necessary. That's an interesting way to look at it. I'm I'm eager to hear what we're talking about. Well, no pun intended, but have you noticed that you see what you're looking for? Uh, yeah, I, I often. <laughs> so as I thought about this episode, um, I was reading my Bible and God directed me to Habakkuk, which is hard to say, Habakkuk chapter one, verses three and four. Habakkuk's complaining to God and he says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. And I think all of us might feel similar to Habakkuk. If you watch TV, if you see the news, Facebook, whatever your inflow of information is, I think we could all very much feel that way. And so God's answer to Habakkuk is amazing. He says in verse 5, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. So even if he was speaking about a time past or speaking about events past, maybe he was talking about uh, the temple or even the coming of Christ, whatever was the immediate context, as with all things in the Bible, I think it's relevant throughout. Yeah. Yeah. And so my point is that I believe and I pray that from all of this strife, if we look to God for guidance and to each other for good, in our pre-conflict mindset, the way we predispose ourselves to the day and to each other, then God will be able to work his amazing miracles. So it's interesting what stuck out for me there is in, uh, say it again. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. That's, that's just not, how I say that's, it. <laughs> that's not a, a, a book right. that we often look at. Tomato, but, tomato. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Ha, uh, yeah. Say, say it again for Habakkuk. me. <laughs> Habakkuk. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> I don't know. Don't even go there. Uh, so I hear him saying, why do you, why are you making me look at injustice? But God's saying, oh, but look at the amazing thing I'm going to do. I see, I'm hearing two different mindsets. 
Now, that's very interesting. So if he's saying, why do you make me look at injustice? God is saying for everything, there's a purpose and I'm going to do something with this. Right. And so where it brings me to, and I don't know if this is where you're going, but uh, as a coach, we do a lot of work with mindset and kind of goes back to, I'm going to find what I'm looking for. Right. And so if he's saying, God's saying, actually, look at what I'm going to amazingly do. I'm going to be looking for the amazing thing God does. I do a thing, you kind of know this, but I look for hearts all over the place. And I will stop in the middle of a walk and take a picture. Of a leaf that looks like a heart. Right. A leaf that looks like a heart. Or a rock that looks like a heart. A rock, uh, crazy enough, even gum that has gone on the ground. Don't follow too close (laughs) because she stops without warning. (laughs) I know, right? But I'm my number one value is love and loving all things. And so I'm looking for that, not hearts and flowers and puppy dog tails, but I'm looking for those symbols. And guess what? I see them all the time. Yeah, that's fantastic because my concern is that we concern ourselves a lot with the things over which we have the least control and we concern ourselves least with the things over which we have the most control. So for example... In our faith, we have the choice to believe. It's that simple. We have the choice to believe. Romans chapter 1 says, What may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So, we can see it all around us. Mm-hmm. We have a very simple choice. I can't control what's going on in Seattle or D.C. or all of these other places. And if I allow people to get me focused on the things over which I have no control, then right here in my small local opportunity to have a mindset which predisposes me toward seeing good, because here's the thing. God made this world and he made trees and mountains and babies and we can look at them and see good, but he also made people. Mm -hmm. And we cannot allow the media, the news, all of this stuff to have us look at people and not see beauty. We cannot allow all of these forces to have us look at people and see a herd. We are individuals. Psalms say we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it too well. Each of us matters, and we're special, and we have this opportunity. And if you start looking at people as a herd, all of that gets lost. And who benefits? No, well. The devil. Yeah. It sounds like labeling when we we can choose, though, to see them as God sees us versus what the media is saying well, people are. Absolutely. If you take this current heartbreaking strife, a man was killed by a corrupt policeman. That's it. Not all policemen, not all men. I don't care about anything else. Man lost his life. Right. That man was once five years old. That man once saw a fire truck drive by and he didn't look mm-hmm. at that fire truck and say, Ooh, one day I want to be a meth addict. Right circumstances, life, hardships that we don't know leaned on that man and put him in the place where this tragedy occurred. Right. And my heart breaks. Yeah. Because when that five-year-old sees a fire truck, he wants to be a fireman or he wants to be a policeman or he wants to be a baseball player. 
And we have to see God's beauty in each individual and not look at each other like this herd, because if we view our neighbor as a herd, then our commitment to his welfare, our willingness to sacrifice for him, the way we raise our children and all the opportunity that we have for good will be lost. So common to all of this is in this pre-conflict mindset, point number one, we have to see and look for good. Right. The uniqueness of our fellow man, the beauty of our fellow man, and the opportunity that we have when we're connected. And we can do that. What comes to mind is some of the listeners may not know that we can do that. And this is coming from a, a coach, again, working on mindset. And I will, I will speak to that over and over and over because we can. It's proven. We neurologically can make different pathways in our minds. Remap our brains. Remap our brains. We've talked right. about it on the show before. By... You're given, say, five minutes. What are you going to do with that five minutes? Are you going to let yourself get sucked back into Facebook and read all of that? Or are you going to grab your Bible? Right. I agree with you 100%. If we're focused on TV, Facebook, ranting, then guess what? Our world's going to be full of ranting and anger and frustration. What bothers me is that with all of the opportunity to project opinions and feelings, nobody's actually listening to each other. And in the absence of listening, there's no exchange of perspectives. And in the absence of an exchange of perspectives, there's no compassion. And in the absence of compassion, compassion, there's no courageous decision to ask the question that we learn from the story of the Good Samaritan, if I don't stop, what will happen to him? And we're just not asking questions of each other. Because we're being told what the herd thinks and what the herd mentality is. And what we have to realize is this has been done to us. We've been captured. We've been trapped. And it's been little by little that saying, how do you boil a frog? You don't throw him in a hot pan. You put him in lukewarm water and then you turn up the heat. And eventually it's too hot for him to jump out. So the devil doesn't just throw a huge rusty bear trap with a big chain down in the middle of your kitchen floor in a well-lit room. First thing he does is he just throws the chain down there and you get used to stepping over the chain and you don't even think about it. And then he knocks out a couple light bulbs. So now the room's a little dimmer. Then he encourages the kids to start fighting and you're distracted by all of this in a dimly lit room. And that's when he adds the big trap to the chain. And the next morning when you walk into this dimly lit room, thinking about the kids fighting, you step into this trap and you're hating or you're angry or you're categorizing everybody by one member of a group. That is a trap. And we've fallen into it. Two ways to deal with that are number one, to look for good in everything and everyone. And number two, to ask each other questions and then listen, because two things are going to come of that. When you ask questions, you're going to get an exchange of perspectives and it'll, it'll uh, appeal to your heart And you can really think about this person. And the other thing is, is you can decide if you're going to engage and to what degree you want to engage. You know what I mean? Uh, If we look at Jesus, sometimes he walked away. Sometimes he engaged. He was very intentional about it. And he generally did it with questions. And that's a curious mindset. And that evokes listening and understanding. Yeah, not not just reloading, not just listening to reload but listening to actually look in the person's eyes and think about uh, where they're coming from, the pain they may have endured, what's caused them. 
Um, we cannot fall for, I call them the pretexts of the devil, these uh, distractions, the TV's on and we're not looking for the bear trap and we're angry. And, and good people fall for these different pretexts, these groups, these, this group think. Uh, where was it recently we were talking about some kind of group think? Uh, it was uh, on an interview with some people about the Internet, and they were talking about the hive mind. Oh. And one good thing about the hive mind is with so many people thinking and commenting, the truth is going to come out. And the biblical, the scripture which says, everything hidden will be brought out into the right. open and everything concealed will be made known. Truth shall be, be revealed. And that is good if we're asking questions. Right. So here's the thing. Jesus outsmarted the devil with all of his pretexts and all of these things. When the devil suggested force and anger, Jesus brought love. When the devil proposed shame and guilt, Jesus freed us from condemnation. When the devil said it's about good looks, Jesus said it's about heart. When the devil said it's about money, Jesus said it's about eternity where money has no value. So since... Jesus has already outsmarted the devil, and since we don't stand a chance going toe-to-toe with the devil, we can just focus on Jesus. So we look for the good in everything. We ask questions with an eye toward compassion and a heart toward compassion, and we keep ourselves focused on Jesus because people's pain is real, and if they see in us confident joy and faith, then they will hunger for it themselves and they will ask us questions. So the pre-conflict mindset has a couple components. Number one, look for good and ask people questions. And don't be attached to the answer. Don't listen only to wait and tell them what you think. That's not curiosity. That's, That's not, not curiosity. And I'm glad you used that word because when we come, we're, we're looking for good. We're seeing good. We're rehearsing good. We're thinking good. And in that opportunity, we have to come to people that we need in our lives, that we care about. Uh, John Donne said, any man's death diminishes me, for I am involved in mankind. He said, therefore, never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. It doesn't matter who died. You died. Because if we're all connected, when a man dies, part of us dies. That's true. Yeah. And it's so important. So in our pre-conflict mindset, we're going to look for good. We're going to ask people questions and we're going to come from a curious place, which offers them the benefit of the doubt in all things. Dale Carnegie says, might, might know this, step out, step out of judgment and into curiosity. Just be curious. Just be curious. <clears throat> what does this person feel? Why do they feel it? Don't try and lump them into the group. Don't see them as part of the herd. This is a child of God made specially for some purpose. And maybe they don't know that purpose yet, but they'll find it if we help them. When we're curious, we're not judging. Yeah. Well, it's so important. Uh, my heart's heavy with all of this strife. And at the same time, I have faith. I made the decision to believe. I know God is doing things. He will bend everything toward good, but we have to do our part. And that part is to believe in him, to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus' example, and to look for the good, not seeing people as part of a herd, but as individuals capable of uh, an important role in God's kingdom. We get what we focus on. It's yeah, we line. really do. Um, that's truth, and uh, we love to talk about truth, and we have a quote of the day, and somebody the other day said, the show went by so fast that 
we were already at the quote of the day. And a good friend of mine said that, and I was just so happy that It does go fast. It does go fast. <laughs> Our quote of the day, Abraham Lincoln returns to the quote of the day in his response to critics who said he was not aggressive enough in destroying his political opponents. He said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Mm. Wow. Wow. Love him. You remember when you were a kid in school and a new kid came to school and everybody would be asking the new kid questions. Yeah. And it wasn't to pin him in a group. It wasn't so that you could reload and attack him for whatever his answers were. Where did you come from? Why did you move? Why do you have a Superman lunchbox? <laughs> and that like the kid last often, question. <laughs> yeah. That kid often ended up as your friend. Right. Yeah. And so we don't ask each other these questions to shout each other down. We must be genuinely curious and desirous of getting to know each other. Most critical in the pre-conflict mindset is the presumption that people are good. This will drive the curiosity that we should have for each other. Ask questions, listen, and decide whether or not to engage. And if you do engage, do it with more questions. With this mindset, many conflicts will be avoided, and people who may have been perceived as enemies can become our friends. So thank you, Abraham Lincoln, for that. It's just the truth. And that brings us to the moment of truth, which is a look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. And we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it is always relevant, and that it never fails. So it's not enough to say we're Christians and to read our Bibles. We have to actually do what the Bible says. So, for example, in many of these discussions, in many of our decisions whether or not to engage, we have to say, is there profit in this? Is this Mm. profitable to do? Scripture says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Well, then don't. Right. Pretty simple. If you can't say something pleasant, don't say anything at all. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edification, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So if you're going to say something, and by the way, there's a Chinese proverb that says, I've often regretted opening my mouth. I've never regretted keeping it closed. Mm. So (laughs) there is the choice, if you want to make it, to keep your mouth closed. But if you open it, let it be profitable and let it be true. And our moment of truth comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Friends, we need each other. It is worth the labor to get to know each other. Good people are struggling in this world. Many have fallen and have had no one to help them up. And many are struggling because they became pawns for politicians. This isn't their fault. They were caught in the devil's traps. Who is without sin? And it's certainly not me. As Christians, this must be heartbreaking for each of us. We who have someone in Jesus to help us up and the understanding to reach for his hand must have compassion. Those of us who know Jesus have a greater responsibility than anyone. As in the story of the Good Samaritan, we must approach the traveler on the side of the road who has been beaten by robbers and left for dead asking, if I don't stop, what will happen to him? Because that is love. So as we wrap up, it's the love of a neighbor which urges us into the belief that people are good. Then, in genuine curiosity, we can have a dialogue and possibly help someone who may never have had anyone to help them before. In this effort, we must be alert for the devil's manipulations. In the darkened room of hate, 
and lies and ignorance and anger, we cannot allow him to trap us. We must keep our eyes on God, we must read our Bibles, and we must value what he values. And he values each of us so much that he sacrificed his son. Not because we're perfect, not because any one of us is perfect, but because he loved us. And in our imperfection, he built a bridge that we can walk across back to him. As we go forth in these difficult days, let's strive to remember that every man is an individual made specially by a loving God. And we should approach him as such with love, compassion, and curiosity. It is up to each of us. That is the right pre-conflict mindset. And that is courageous Christianity. In the next two episodes, we're going to talk about actual conflict and how we can also focus on Jesus during actual conflict so as to predispose the outcome toward something that will be beneficial to God's kingdom. Thank you for joining Christy and me today. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. Should you want to reach us, we can be contacted at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com or 281-656-1833. God bless and Semper Fi.